I don't call them goals. I call them desired outcomes because they're, to me, once you achieve a goal, there's another goal right on the other side of that, right? And 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 it's a common theme these days in general. Like you climb a mountain and then you realize there's been many more mountains to climb. But it would be more unpacking the, well, what's important to you? What is it you envision or what I go through a lot with my athletes prior is who do you see yourself being when you cross that finish line, right? And when you, who that person is, now do you think of that? Is that the person you want to be? What emotions are you going to have at that point? How is your family going to be at that point? How are you, co- are people going to even be at that finish line for you? Were you too aggro, for lack of a better description, in your training to get to that finish line? Did you burn bridges? Did you put your career in jeopardy because you started doing more training hours and less and were less present at work? Those things. And if you work that out in your mind prior and with your loved ones and with people who you care about around you and say, this is my goal, then they'll be at the finish line cheering you, supporting you, propping you up. And you will do that event because you've created a community of love and support around that. And they understand you and support you and see your determination with it. But having that vision prior of your future athlete self, who you want to be at that and how that looks at that finish line and who's there to give you a high five and hug you and support you, who are you going to dinner with after? And how is that all unfolding? And so that exercise, that future version of yourself is incredibly important. Hello, Yogi Triathlete community. Welcome back to the show. We are Jess and BJ, and this is the place where we share stories of people looking, finding, and living their purpose. We do believe that we all come here to this earth on purpose, with a purpose, and our responsibility is to find that purpose and live it. For some, purpose is something they've known for as long as they can remember, while for others, it's a lifelong journey of great hope and great frustration. Whether you sit in either of those extremes or somewhere in the middle, know that you're right on time. You're perfect right where you are, but that is not permission for stagnation. It is permission to feel confident in your foundation as you leap into the next moment of this life adventure. Today, our guest is Chris Hout, former Olympic swimmer, Ironman age group champion, ultra runner, and now coach for ultra endurance athletes through his coaching service, AMP. Is that how you pronounce it? AMP? AIMP, yeah, AIM. AIMP. What does it stand for? Advanced Ironman Program is what it used to stand for, and now it's more a mindset aspect of it, yeah. Oh, I love it. You're in the Advanced Integrated Mindset and Performance. Oh, I like it. I like it. I like the evolution. If we (laughs) hang on too tight to what the original vision was, yeah. So Chris is one of the most respected endurance coaches in the field today, and he's no stranger to mindset training, as we've seen through the evolution of his company name. In fact, one of the things that we love so much about you, Chris, and this is the first time we're meeting, is your willingness to dive deep into the mental game. Training the mind, not just as a byproduct of a training session, but as a discipline in and of itself, which is what I'm assuming, but today we're going to find out. We've been looking forward to this conversation and we have scratched all agenda in order to allow the present moment to guide us one level deep at a time. Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So, um, I've listened to you. I've listened to your weekly word podcast, which I love. I've listened to you on Rich, and 
And I find that you are one of the few that can really go, um, I think there's the surface and then there's another layer which still feels pretty safe, but you can go underneath that. And that's kind of like where we like to hang out. And I've just always thought that if you were ever to be on the show, that we could have a really great conversation. And Linda, who is our production assistant, uh, reached out to you and she actually came to me and said, what do you think? And I was like, oh my God, I mean, like you read my mind, he's been on our list. And she said that you really helped her, uh, listening to your podcast, like really helped her this in 2020 to just get back to training and be disciplined. And isn't it so interesting, the trickle effect or the stories that we never hear or the little stories like I just dropped to you about people who are being affected because we're willing to, you know, hit record and just speak from our hearts. So yeah, cool. I mean, I definitely find that in, in our world of podcasting as well. The people that you touch, you don't realize how meaningful your own stories and your own thoughts are to them as well. And there's many times, as you both know, you're you're talking into a microphone. I don't have guests on. I'm just basically talking to myself. But I'm sharing the thoughts and the observations and the things I've gone through in 25, 30 years of doing this. And along that, those lines, also many years in a pool, <laughs> staring at a black line, um, there's something to be said about just that simplicity of your mind wanders while it's <laughs> doing 25 meter or 50 meter laps over and over again. And I find that even now I'm getting ready for um, a 10 hour swim, the length of Tahoe. And I was swimming this weekend and again, staring at a black abyss in a, in a lake this weekend it again allows that portal, as I like to call it, to open because we're distracted in a space of, all right, I'm doing the stroke, I'm swimming and so forth. But then ever so gently, the mind wanders because I believe, and many people know this from my podcast, is when our when our higher self has an opportunity to speak or to be heard, that's usually during a long walk, during exercise, during running or cycling. I don't find it so much in the weight room and, and, and places like that. There's too much distraction, but our small mind needs to be busy in order for the higher consciousness, um, our true self to come forward. And as we get better in that space, I speak to a lot of my athletes about this. As we get better in that space, we get better at hearing it and staying in that present moment um, for longer and longer. And many endurance athletes can relate to this, that an hour into their run, all of a sudden, everything sort of clarifies for them. They're having great thoughts, great perspective, great ideas. And I believe, and I've evolved to this, uh, that that's because our true self, our higher consciousness already knows the path. It knows where we're going. It just says, all right, I'll let the small mind and the ego sort of get in the way and sort of think it's in control. But when we're out there and we're sort of stripped down, we're fatigued, we're just being in nature, everything is sort of clicking and we can hear that higher self, that higher consciousness. And that's, that's what I feel is the greatest gift of endurance training and endurance events because it puts us there on a daily, you know, it's hard during the week with work and stuff, but on a weekly basis, we have hours to go there. And the more we practice it and the more we're out there, the more ability we gain into, into being in that space and hearing it. And, 
yeah, that's the, those are the layers I go into. <laughs> yeah. I love it. You're t- you've mentioned many of our favorite words like higher self, small self, uh, consciousness. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I once I remember early on working with my teacher, we were talking about, you know, doing Ironmans and, um, and just the, you know, how it, so Yogi Triathlete was essentially born because I realized that my practice of yoga and endurance sports were taking me to the same place. Like it was taking me to this place that was beyond body and beyond what I thought was mind. And it was actually taking me into that higher mind. And he was talking about how, you know, we can be so constricted in this world. Like we don't even realize how much we're carrying. And when the body gets broken down, we move into this mental place like of surrender where that higher mind can begin to come in because our walls have come down. It it really is amazing. And I guess that's a beautiful description of why we get like the best ideas out on a long run or on a long, everywhere where we don't have a piece of paper to write it down, you know? And then I use those opportunities to just trust, like trust, okay, I'm going to remember this. Like if it came up once, it's already in Mm -hmm. me, right? I'm going to trust as opposed to being panicked about not being able to, to remember it. So, um, I, 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 I want to say something right there that the chatter in our mind also, because in my, all these things are my opinion. I've not studied this, right? Let's not, let's put that in, but in my opinion, and I I've had enough feedback from enough people that they feel very similar. So it's not like I'm just making this up, but our, our ego and our, our small mind, I believe gets fatigue too. It's tired of fighting us. And so therefore it sort of rests. And that's when the higher consciousness, our true self source, whatever we want to call it. I I like, I use them all interchangeably, Mm -hmm. um, gets a chance to be heard. And the interesting thing on that is I say these words on purpose to be heard. It's always there. The voice is always there, but the chatter and our daily activities is, is louder. And the higher consciousness, because it is such a powerful, confident source, our path, it says, it's okay. You'll hear it when it's time. And I love that aspect of it because when it does click, and all of us go, should have done, done, done it this way from the very beginning, right? Or it's like, yes, I knew this would end up here again, right? So I believe especially in endurance events or on a long bike ride, let's say, it, it the mind just gets tired. It just is like, I, I'm tired of trying to put my ego f- to the forefront or fight these thoughts or try to figure it out. Ugh. And then it, it, it lets go. And then all of a sudden it's there. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a, a contrast experience which brought that to light um, a couple weekends or two weekends ago in St. George. We, we had to take a, a shuttle bus from transition one to transition two and you don't know who you're going to get on the bus with Mm -hmm. and most people are quiet but these athletes behind us could not stop talking about the water temperature the the logistics the um the setup of how you know how we had two transition zones and how hot it could potentially be Um, but in that contrast i was able to beam back into calm so Mm -hmm. this is this is where the mindfulness works through training so that in that moment you don't get caught up in the conversation behind you you uh, you understand that that's just chatter and yeah. i was able to, to come into calm and that actually set the tone for the athlete i was with i was sitting with but also because i've talked to him about it 
but also set the tone for my day. It was like, okay, I see how distracting and, and um, opposite the, the direction this conversation energy is going. I don't want that. You know, I want yeah. calm. And then the entire day was, was pretty calm. I believe you can also flip that energy though, because I've been on many of those buses <laughs> <laughs> and sort of, you can feel that they're not negative energy, but they're draining air energy. Their worry energy is something that actually builds me up because the person I'm sitting with, I'll lean over and be like, isn't that awesome that we don't worry about this? We are going to, we're, that's fine. We're, we're not worried about the weather. We're not worried about the water temperature. We're going to do this event anyway. So is that going to stop us? And all these little positive energy aspects to sort of take that negative energy and use it as a positive influence and growth so that we get off that bus going, man, I feel more confident than when I got on the bus. I, they helped me, those people behind me, get more confident, get more energy out of it. And now I actually have a better perspective, similar shift. Yeah. Well, the, the yogis say, um, you know, use everything to your advantage use everything to your advantage. And I guess another way to look at that is that everyone and everything in our life, like it's, we can adopt a perspective where it's for us. It's that we can take everything. Um, it's great to be around like-minded people, but it's also very important to be around people who are not like-minded to show where, you know, where we're still fighting. fighting um, and also interesting, um, like-minded yeah. people in my opinion, are, you know, it's great every now and then, but I want interesting people, people who don't agree with me or see the world through a different light or a little bit eccentric. That's curious to me. There's something there, their story, their narrative, their perspective, that's humanity. And with that, and that's why I love coaching so much because every single person comes with a different story. And despite them doing the same event, their outcomes, how they see themselves doing the event, their confidence, their own personal narrative, whether they see themselves in a negative light or in a positive light, and how they view themselves as their future self, which is a lot of what we work on. And all that creates so many different humans every single time I'm coaching a different athlete. And it's that's the fun part. That's absolutely, to me, the fun part. And also in the situations of highs and lows in life, um, from the yogi aspect too, I don't want to be in a space where everything's pretty controlled and in a narrow margin. I want the highs and lows. I want to crash and burn and feel terrible, but then allow the nines and tens of experience and euphoria and excitement to happen as well. And in order to set that up, it takes... <laughs> It takes a willingness to really fail and a willingness to really not know what you're doing. But I'd rather stand on the edge of that diving board, not knowing if there's water in the pool, and at least leap and trust and believe in and, and have faith that, again, the path will unfold for me. I speak about that a lot on my podcast because a lot of athletes, especially last year in the pandemic, you know, what should I do? You know, what events should I self curate? Because we did a lot of self curated stuff and adventures and so forth and, and use the year to sort of discover, I don't need events to unleash the potential I already have in me. And that I believe I have in me 
And a lot of that worked around, it'll come, it'll appear to you. And it sounds very sort of wishy-washy <laughs> almost. It will appear, you know, as if Yoda is standing um, right next to you. But it's funny because the more they just sort of let go and did the training and sort of just a, did a little bit of research, but paid attention to what they're interested in, the events appeared. And the way they wanted to do an endurance adventure in their hometown or in those mountains or on that island all appeared. And it they, they were frustrated almost on having to come back to me and say, you know, it was bizarre. I didn't believe you. But for some reason, I have the best list of events for next year now. Mm. You mentioned um, you mentioned highs and lows and that you actually crave, you know, or the highs and lows. How does how did you not, because we get this a lot, how do you not attach and, and get defined by a, a low or a high and, and, and you're able to, to shift? Is it just experience? Like you've had so many highs and lows, you know not to get so celebratory of the highs and so low of the lows. For every peak, there's a valley, right? And, and, and whether that's during the endurance event itself and from racing in the past and knowing that, to also in life, I mean, we all go through, the, through these highs and lows. And to think that we're going to stay in the low is not a reality. And to stay, to think we're going to stay in the highs is not a reality because life has a way of just knocking us off that pedestal very quickly anyway. But we like to remember only when life knocked us off the pedestal. We often forget how life off also brought us out of the valley. And that's the looking back and realizing, wow, I've come a far way. This has really been going well for me, or this is a path that has worked well for me, right? And especially in those lows, that's what you said in the introduction with regards to purpose. I go through that exercise with a lot of my athletes. What's your deeper why? Understanding that there's a source beyond a finish line in this uh, event-driven world that we're in and realizing you need more than a finish line for motivation is very critical in these hours and these endeavors that we take on, especially in the ultra endurance world, from ultra man to 100 milers to multi-day expeditions to mountain climbing, where the, your deeper why, your purpose, and if that's more than just the finish line, connects you to a deeper reason on why you're looking for the validation, why you're looking to be seen in this world, why it is so important to you. And if you understand that, where that's coming from, and most don't have this answer just off the cuff, right? It's, it's a six-month exercise. It's a multi-year exercise because your deeper why can change. But when they connect with that deeper reasoning and that deeper why, it allows them to have energy to train and to be resilient through those valleys way better than just, I want to cross the finish line and go sub 10 hours in an Ironman. Like that's, it's fine. We've all been there. I've been there. But when it's from a deeper place below the surface that it really connects you to your source and your true values and really peels back the layers to show why you crave this validation and to be seen and these results and these outcomes and these successes, then it's it, it allows you to train smarter, better, stronger, more resilient, more durable. You can deal with all the lows of, of the endurance lifestyle in general. 
How do you assist your athletes in, because you were saying it can be six months, it can be a year, you know, of just really being an archaeologist of self, right? Mm -hmm. Like, like you got to get through the layers. How do you encourage them to keep going deeper when they say, well, no, this is my why, but you can clearly see that there's something underneath or maybe a couple layers deeper. How do you encourage them or assist them in getting to that next layer and the next layer? Most of the time they send me their deeper why in a written format and I just respond back why. Because <laughs> usually they're, you know, because of this and this and this. Well, why? Why is this and this of importance to you? Where is that coming from? Why do you have those emotions? There's a why below all those questions. And it gets very personal, don't get me wrong. And many athletes aren't willing or able, quite honestly, uh, without the proper training, and I don't have that training, to really peel back those layers. But the exercise is already worth it, that the fact mm -hmm. that they're asking those questions and that they're taking time while they're out there for five, six hours on a bike or five, six hours running or you know, two, three hours swimming in an open water situation or hiking or rucking or whatever it is they're doing to ask those questions because the question is the exercise. It's not necessarily always coming to an answer. And as I said to so many athletes, your deeper why in five years will be a totally deeper, deeper why than now. It was for me five years for five years ago. It was 10 years ago, 15. There's, we, as we mature and our story continues to unfold and we get to know each, ourselves better, that deeper why changes and evolves as well as we do in, in not just in sport, like oh, we yeah. find you their, their lifestyle, their, mm -hmm. the job that they suffer through day after day. Um, they begin to question that piece of it as well. And, you know, we've, we've seen it where people have switched jobs and just quit and moved up completely because you just planted the seed to, to question, to question. Yeah. I love that. You're not looking for and you know, a finite answer. You're not looking for that finish line. You're just, incorporating this into your into your life like you should always be checking in always be yeah. checking in yeah. yeah i have this uh uh not formula but sort of three part component to a lot of my coaching and it's called the cip it's not in the right order but it is clarity intention and purpose and if you have the highest level of purpose sort of your deeper why of doing this then the next step is understanding it with clarity. And clarity is usually how do I get to that far off outcome of my deeper why, my purpose. And that's usually the training plan or at least the, the plan on how to get there. And your intention is your daily intention on how you're showing up to do this to the best of your ability, given who you currently are in your life. And in a lot of space, for a lot of triathletes and ultra runners and a lot of athletes that I work with in, in this, the bigger endurance space, we all went pro in something other than these sports. And so therefore we have a job, we have a family, we have community responsibilities, we have church, we have little league. There's a zillion things you can list. So how are we fitting it in? It has to match our current life. If it doesn't, if we're comparing ourselves to our 20 year old self that had all day to sit on the couch and recover, or also those paces or those times or those outcomes, you're already set up for not failure, but you're going to be disappointed. 
And so all these things have to match your current life, the current version of you. Now, do you want to get better at it? Of course, you want to improve that current version of you. But if you have those three in place, your, your future, which is your purpose, your clarity, how to get there, and your daily intentions, you literally created a roadmap with daily action steps onto, onto that highway to the far off purpose that you're looking to get to. And what I call events and goals are just objectives along the way, along that path towards our purpose, towards our, you know, deeper why and sort of un unfurling all that as we're going along. They're sort of check-ins and, and validations that we are on the right path. And so in order to take that, I talk about the athlete version of ourselves, how it spills into the overall version of ourselves. And that's what you were just saying. We get this amazing playground as endurance athletes to every day spend a little time in this version of ourselves that we're curating, that we're building. It's our athlete self. But a lot of it, what we're learning in there, spills over, hopefully, to the rest of ourselves. And that plays out with our family. It plays out at work. It plays out in personal interests. That the version of ourselves that we get to play with, that we get to um, manipulate in a positive way, that we get to grow with, that we get to sort of listen to our higher self in, that version, that athlete version, now has a chance to shine in the other versions, our work version, our husband version, our family version, our father version, our you know community version. And that's the fun. That's in, in my opinion, we all have this great little space to be in and test everything. I want to uh, go back to what you were talking about, the why, just to say that sometimes, you know, not everybody can get there. Um, and I think it's important for people to realize that sometimes all they need is just one touch point. You know, maybe it's just a consultation with you and then they end up self-coaching or something like that. But for those that, you know, have the ability to go deeper, that's what they need. For those who, you know, it, they're still working on it years from now, like, that's what they needed. That we're all, you know, I think I said it in the intro, like we're all right on time. This this understanding or, or clarity, I guess you could say, around where we are now and how we're going to move forward from here. And then another thing that you were talking about was looking back at how far you've come. So the question is, how do you assist the athletes who maybe feel like I can't get to the deeper why and they feel maybe like a failure or I have so far to go as opposed to the other perspective that's available, which is I'm even entertaining this question. Like I've come so far a year ago, I wouldn't even be talking to somebody about my why. And now here I am. Yeah. I mean, and again, that's the fun, right? Having the athlete sort of hear me. And in many cases, it in five, six, seven years from now, when they're not even coaching with me, or I'll see them, or they'll send me an email, and they'll say, you know what? I had no clue what you were talking about back then, but it's just come up again. Yeah. And now I'm able to talk about it, or now I feel it, and now I get what you were saying. That's totally fine. That's totally fine. Because like the first point you made, I call it our path. It's our path. It will unfold however it should unfold. And we have this belief on a daily basis that we are in control of our path. And 
this narrative in our culture is, uh, in my opinion, is around this, like, you control your destiny. You are, are in control of everything that you think and who you want to be and so forth. There is some power in that, of course. You want to be present. But on the other hand, our path is our path, and it will unfold for us. No matter how much we try to manipulate it and address it and get in there and force it in a certain direction, or I want to be a movie producer, and I'm going to do all this work and education around being a movie producer, and it turns out you should have been a writer for all along. And you knew it. There was so there were enough signs. You just didn't have the ability to see the signs yet. But it was always your path. It was always going to unfold for you. You noticed more and more in your movie producing that you were writing a lot. <laughs> the next thing you know, you're a writer, right? And that's what I was saying earlier. I, our higher consciousness already knows. Our source, it knows. And it's wonderful when those all align, when those kick in together you are in a happy place and you're back to that place where you were saying earlier about how, you know, being in a job that you don't like, well, that's because all that's not aligned yet. Right. And with passion and curiosity and excitement and energy getting into every day, there's something to be said of that. That's incredibly powerful. And it doesn't have to be a glamorous career or job. It just has to connect closer to your true values and your deeper why. Here's, I love all that. Here's, here's where it can get a little bit tricky for athletes when, when, so they don't know, they don't know their why and they're kind of, they're kind of making their way through life and they sign up for races and then, and then they defer races or they, they don't go to the races and then they sign up for another race and they don't, do that race. And then they finally do a race down the road, but they weren't happy. And now they're not going to do any races. And they're kind of in this flow of like, should I do it? Shouldn't I do it? You know, I, I felt compelled to sign up for this race, but now as it approaches, I'm not going to do it. It's kind of that, um, that space where they're not all into the belief of who they are, but they're also in that space. If I need to give myself a shot, like I should mm -hmm. be doing this shooting, <laughs> I feel compelled to do this. Um, I should probably do it. Um, can you speak to that at all? That that that. I mean, I would ask them more of what compels them and what what it is that they feel they need to do at these events. What it is they're looking to have for an outcome at these events. I don't call them goals. I call them desired outcomes because mm -hmm. they're to me. Once you achieve a goal, there's another goal right on the other side of that, right? And 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 it's a common theme these days in general, like you climb a mountain and then you realize there's been many more mountains to climb, but it would be more unpacking the, well, what's important to you? What is it you envision? Or what I go through a lot with my athletes prior is who do you see yourself being when you cross that finish line? Right. Mm -hmm. And when you, who that person is now, do you think of that? Is that the person you want to be? What emotions are you going to have at that point? How is your family going to be at that point? How are you co are people going to even be at that finish line for you? Were you too aggro, for lack of a better description, <laughs> in your training to get to that finish line? Did you burn bridges? Did you put your career in jeopardy because you started doing more training hours and less and were less present at work? Those things. And if you work that out in your mind prior 
and with your loved ones and with people who you care about around you and say, this is my goal, then they'll be at the finish line cheering you, supporting you, propping you up. And you will do that event because you've created a community of love and support around that and they understand you and support you and see your determination with it. But having that vision prior of your future athlete self, who you want to be at that and how that looks at that finish line and who's there to give you a high five and hug you and support you, who are you going to dinner with after and how is that all unfolding? And so that exercise, that future version of yourself is incredibly important. And for some athletes that have a longer term plan with me, let's say five, six, seven, eight years, we build an athlete mission statement around that where we built values around this is what I'm not going to compromise in my training to get to Kona, right? Because getting to Kona can quickly burn a lot of bridges. And I'm not saying that in a, in a, you know, too negative aspect. It just requires a lot for some people, right? It requires, you know, long weekends, um, a lot of training hours, a lot of sacrifices, kids are growing up, husbands and wives and so forth, all that. And we quantify early on what are your values and what values are you not looking to compromise in this journey? Because it's a journey. And along that journey, doing it alone is sort of boring, right? And I'm not the guy, just because I'm your coach, I'm not on the journey with you, <laughs> right? Like you're, you are experiencing this journey on your own, but who do you want there with you? Who's going to be there with you on this endurance journey? And those are your loved ones. that You want to share the joy with them. If a tree falls in the woods and nobody hears it, did it really, like, that's you training, right? Like, if you're going to shut everybody out. Now, having a bunch of people in support along with it and thinking with you on a Friday night, hey, you have a big training day tomorrow. What, what is it we need to do to support you? because you are not compromising your values, you're communicating with us. All those things are part of the athlete mission statement. The version I wanna be when I cross that finish line and what values and I'm, am I not looking to compromise? And so you go backwards from that, that's where I would ask the athlete, well, why? what is it that you fear? Because there's fear there. Fear is at the bottom of most of our <laughs> emotions. Um, what fear is it of these events? You know, and there's definitely athletes out there. I've many of them that it takes a long time for them to actually sign up for events. Right? Mm. It just it, it, there's a validation aspect there. There's a being compared to aspect there. There's a well, this doesn't make me feel as much of as an athlete as I as I thought I was. All those things put it, they get into an ugly melting pot of emotions. But for us, it's more important to continue on the journey of growth and transformation, as I call it, working in as well as working out. And then from there, the confidence will build, the itch will come, the spark will ignite to want to test what you've been training for. I love this. Uh, I love that you brought up fear. I, I've seen and I've even experienced it in my own on my own path is like you kind of get up to this place where you're like, whoa, I've been doing the work and um, things are lining up. And then it gets really scary because the reality of the success of what you dreamed of is right there. And so one of the questions that 
uh, was offered to me, which I find is so powerful when we're working with emotion. Uh, perhaps it's in visualization, perhaps it's in the wishy-washiness of signing up or whatever is, what do I need to believe in order to feel this way? Yeah. And I think that just immediately takes you right underneath to the fuel that is creating that emotion. So you talked about visualization and I love the way you talked about it because the feeling is so important. Um, we talked about, you know, just the physical aspect of our training and how that puts us into a place where we're connecting with the higher mental source. And we also talked about the why. So we've talked about some great mental training aspects, but are there other things that maybe you do in your own personal practice or that you encourage athletes journaling, for example, anything else that you add into this toolbox um, for mind training? There's a, there's a lot of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, of journaling is a big thing that I do. Um, and my athletes and my community knows that I journal every morning and sort of review the past day and then write my intentions for the day. But I also encourage a lot of my athletes to have an index card either at night or in the morning that they fill out for their training of maybe a mantra on the back of this is how they want to execute today, but also knowing what the workout is, knowing and seeing and envisioning how they want to execute it, how they want to feel after. It's a mini process that prepares them for the bigger process. How do they want to feel in the future? Well, this is just how do I want to feel at the end of this workout? Well, what is it I need to execute here? And when I'm doing it, what form and technique do I need to think of and so forth? It's it's not a lot. It takes maybe five minutes. Mm -hmm. Knowing, going into it, exactly how you want to execute the workout. Because then there's this great closure that when you finish the workout and you did everything from the index card and you can check that box, it's amazing how you let the workout go and can be present in the next thing that you're doing. Going back to work going home to family, going to work for the day because you did your workout in the morning, having that clarity around what it is I need to do and having executed to the best of my abilities the way I intended to is an amazing feeling. And it's part of many processes that just gives you momentum for the rest of the day or from that workout to the next workout, right? There's a lot of um, psychology out there right now that talks about momentum and so forth and how the brain works with, you know, neurochemistry. And I have this belief, not, you know, it came up with in a conversation around how authors, including Hemingway, used to stop mid-sentence where they were writing so that, the, and they knew what the next sentence would be. But then the next day when they would return to writing, could finish the sentence and immediately got into the flow of writing. They had two or three sentences done so that they move into flow and dopamine release. And because it, oh, I already wrote two or three sentences. I knew the sentences from yesterday, right? But I stopped purposely mid-sentence so that I could just get rolling again today. I personally believe in athletics, that's what warm-up is. You're already finishing a part of the warm workout you did it successfully, and you can check the box. At least I did the warm-up right. It gives me a little dopamine hit of completion, of success, of momentum. Now I can take on the next bigger part of the workout, but I'm entering it, and we've all felt it. The hurdle of starting a workout 
is way bigger to overcome than after workout, after the warm up, engaging into the main set or intervals or, you know, doing some tempo work or whatever it is, because you're now you're already doing it. But you've had that little neurochemistry boost of like, huh, check on the warm up. A third of the workout or whatever is already done. And again, momentum to sort of set those things up so that you're successful. That's what I, that's how I like to work in a lot of ways with my athletes, as well as how I work for myself. Just knowing that I've already had successes today. This is going to be successful workout. I mean, a lot of this is talking lately about, you know, positive psychology, as well as this concept called positive present. And that is where you take past narrative, past history, you know and feel and can logically and rationally see that you've had success doing it, right? A positive, good past in your narrative, plus an exciting, compelling future where you believe and you have validation and you are confident in that you can execute it. Having those two components in place allows you to be in a positive present where you have momentum once again. I've done this before. I can do it again. I've done this before. I see myself how I can execute this in the future. Now, boom, let me drop into the present and do this really well. So you have a very, you have a very strong mindset, strong. I don't know if I like that word um, as much as, yeah, it's strong, but it's bigger than that. It's expansive. Like your, your mind feels to me like it's been expanded. The way that you articulate is very intelligent. Where did this come from? Did you have an influence in your life? I mean, I know I had an influence in my life early on, um, but did, did you, where does this come from? Did I you learn it? No idea. Hard, hard workouts connected in with the um, higher mind. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's an evolution for sure. Mm-hmm. I was not this person. I mean, you can talk to anybody. I mean, Rich makes fun of it on the podcast too. Like, <laughs> who are you? You're not the person I coached with 10 years ago, right? But it's that's the evolution that he's gone through too, right? Like, and again, I believe that endurance sports, and we I've done it long enough now. Um continues to evolve us. I love it. I liken it to a scaffolding, right? Around a building. And the scaffolding is our training. It's just there to support what's happening inside. Basically, the training that we're doing for endurance, sure, we have goals and outcomes, but it puts us every day into that place to do the work, to have some thoughts, to do a body scan, to think about how I'm feeling today, physically, mentally, spiritually. The scaffolding is there every day for us to do maybe no work. Maybe the scaffolding is just painting the outside of the building. Maybe the scaffolding is there doing a complete remodel on the inside. (laughs) Maybe the scaffolding is there because we're building from the ground up something brand new. The scaffolding is the training. It's there every day for us to go show up with our hat, our our hard hat on and our lunch pail and get to work. And what that work is, we don't know. That's part of the clarity of the training plan, but it's also part of who we are when we show up to work every day. There's different circumstances. There's a different narrative. There's a different past in us. I used to have this belief like with mindset, you can, why can't I do what, this person right next to me is doing. 
I train the same as them. And I'm, and I'm talking more in a swimming world now. I do the same thing in swimming as them. I have the same body type as them. You know, we do the same type of training. Why am I results not the same, right? If I put his head on my body, would he be able to get more out of my body than I am currently? Because that's actually how it works. If I took Chrissy Wellington's head and put it on an average triathlete's body, what can she pull out of it, right? If I took Jan Frodeno's head and put it on an average triathlete's body, what would he, what's that delta? What's that margin? What's that difference, right? A lot of people in the ultra running world would say like a Goggins, right? Well, if I put Goggins' head on my body, what more could I pull out of myself? Well, it, it, it isn't that black and white. And I actually got this after a longer conversation with Alex Hutchinson, who wrote Endure, and he writes for Outside Magazine, his sweat science and stuff. And he reminded me of the fact that we all have a personal narrative and history that would come into this, into the present moment with baggage from past experiences, right? And so therefore, for us to pull more out of, it's harder. We all have our different story to put us in the now. And a Michael Phelps got there with a different story than, you know, some other person, right? Or you know, that swimmer in the lane next to me had a different history and narrative. So I don't know where all this comes from. All I do know is my story allows me to sort of relate and think of all the different ways I've failed or I've run into trials and tribulations in endurance sports or in swimming or, you know, coaching and how it best worked for me. So it's, 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 a definitely personal trauma, I've absolutely, divorce and getting not silly from that um, definitely didn't help. Or actually, in hindsight, absolutely helped, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? But, you know, and now a partner who completely allows me and um, underscores this thinking of saying, yeah, go with that. Like, that's, run with that. Like, she's almost in many cases in a place where it's like, I knew you would get there. It just would, it's just going to take you some time. <laughs> and, and then I'm sitting there going, great. Couldn't you have helped me a little bit along the way with some hints and ideas? And she's like, no, that's not how it works. It's your path. Yeah. BJ and I have been talking recently about how, you know, you can lead them to water, but you can't like you can't force their no. face right. into it. You're going to hurt them. You know, they're yeah. going to drown. You're going to hurt them. Um, I have that with kids currently. Right, with four <laughs> teenagers. And it's interesting because, you know, um, Emily, my partner, is a nutritionist and uh, works with, A, with a lot of my athletes, but also with you know, girls and so on. And we have three teenage girls in the house. And so the, very similar to what you just said, like worrying about what they're eating and how they're nourishing themselves and how they're taking care of their bodies. And it's like she has this belief that, you know what, they hear us. They might not be acting on it right now, but in 10 years from now, at least we led that horse to water. They'll know how to drink then, but now <laughs> we can't awesome. expect them to be led and to drink it, <laughs> So, especially not as teenagers. I know, but that it's so tough, right? And we see it with athletes too, where, you know, I have this belief that we're always moving, like that life is a net gain effect, right? We're always moving forward. It's just, we have two paths. One is that direct path. And then the one is the path that kind of 
the bumps goat like, path. Yeah. <laughs> the one that kind of <laughs> takes us the roundabout way probably causes some pain, but we're still eventually going to get where we need to go on our unique Greg, journey. Greg McEwen calls that in his book, Effortless. He calls it the hard path, uh, the heavy path and the easy path. Yeah. There's an easy way of doing this. And then there's the heavy way of doing this. And he talks about the heavy is more, again, burden, narrative, stories, um, uh, things that we carry with us, grudges, things like that. The, you know, I can think of the times I did Iron Man just out of spite. I was angry, right? Like, great. It helped me maybe for a race. But after that, the motivation quickly ran out because like, this is stupid. Why am I so angry? Like, you know, or something to prove or I'll show them, right? But that's a heavy path. It still got me towards the outcome, but not really as far as I could take it, right? That's that's where you would, I personally would finish in Kona knowing I could have a better result. And if that last component was missing of, you know what, you got to do this the lighter way with gratitude, with belief, with a, a full heart, with energy from source versus energy from anger and fear and validation and darkness. And it's, you know, but what you were saying, I call that falling forward and you call it net gain. I call it falling forward. Right. We all stumble, but let's stumble forward towards where we're going. Yeah. How do you allow, like when you see someone taking the the heavy path, is it how is that as a coach or you know, as somebody who is a leader in a household of four teenagers? How do you not lose your shape, like not get on the mountaintop or the soapbox and just start yelling? Uh, well, uh, there's two stories there. There's either my kids' story who are just like, up oh, here he goes again. And they just start plugging <laughs> their ears. <laughs> and then Emily luckily goes, they stopped listening like five minutes ago. I think you mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, I know. I know. I did it again. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, with athletes, again, this is a long-term relationship. And not all of them are going to work out. I totally accept that. And I, you know, give them my blessing, try to work with them to find another coach. And it's totally fine. It's absolutely fine. I'm, my way is not the only way. And it doesn't resonate with a lot of people, right? They're results oriented and they want the outcomes. Mm -hmm. And I go about those results in a different manner, right? And so, uh, and the, the athlete usually comes to me already understanding that. Um, that I'm not looking to, you know, this isn't about how successful we're going to be on one finish line. This is how successful we're going to be overall in life. And I believe athletics is just an expression of the potential of who you could be, right? Mm -hmm. And you have, again, like I was saying earlier, this unique avenue to express that. But the more you see it as an athlete, the more it becomes your natural you. And so, yeah, it... it it oftentimes, and I'm not pretending that I'm successful with all of my athletes. It's more, as I say in my podcast, it's, and the transformation it could bring about. This training might not bring about any transformation, but enough people see it, feel it, feel something more there that they're willing, that then they say, wait a moment. Okay. I need to start paying a little bit more attention because I'm feeling it. I just don't know what to put my finger on yet. And that's mm -hmm. when 
I, I sit there and go, huh, all right, we're, we're ready to start this journey. It is a journey and it's so wonderful and exciting to go through it with many athletes, but you know, 24 years of coaching endurance athletes now, and I would say maybe 50 have truly had that <laughs> transformation, like that really spiritual deeper one. Now, of course, I'm fortunate one of them being rich, um, you know, and he has such a beautiful way of expressing that too. And the person he is today versus who he was before, because I was working with him right out of um, his you know, recovery. So it's been quite a journey, but again, it's not everybody wants to go through that either. I mean, yeah, yeah and it's okay. Journey. Yeah, totally, totally. It's okay. I had this Excellent. talk on a, on a, I was on a bike ride yesterday with a buddy and he was just like, yeah, I just, what you're doing is so, is so different than what's out there. And, and it's, it's really trusting yourself. Like I'm sure you trust yourself completely. And I trust myself as a coach, I have nothing to hide and nothing mm -hmm. to protect. Everything is, is for you. Like this is moving you forward, yeah. however that looks. And when we begin to reshape coaching as like, we're, we're, we're guides. Mm -hmm. I don't really like helping. I, I feel like, you know, we're guides, we're the rumble strips on the road that kind of like, mm -hmm. you know, bounce you back and forth. But if we hold too tightly, right. Yeah. As an athlete does the That's numbers and Watts and you really great. create even more fear. Yeah. It's a great way to put it with the rumble strips. I, I liken it to, you know, just standing behind the athlete and gently nudging their shoulders. You know, like you might want to look head that way. <laughs> like I'm not going to, and part of what I say in my coaching is I'm here to um, teach not to tell you what to do. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, and for me, again, this is my way of coaching, but I don't believe there's much science in the coaching itself. I think it's more about helping the athlete actually do the coaching. If you can do 90% of what's on the training plan, you're going to be pretty successful. <laughs> but most people just don't have the time, nor the consistency, nor staying healthy enough long enough to actually be able to fully complete a training plan. Mm -hmm. And so that's my you know, narrative lately for a lot of athletes and sort of on a bigger platform where sort of the public speaking stuff is between enter on the computer and the start line, there's a lot of space. And that's where it is being an endurance athlete when you're no longer a 20-year-old. Because in that space from hitting enter to a race and eight months later, the start line, it's not the training. <laughs> it's everything else that you have to figure out there. If it were just the training for the next eight months or 18 months or four years, if you're looking for the next Olympics, it's, it's all the other things that you don't even realize are adding to your fatigue and the cognitive load of that. And then mm -hmm. also, you know, the soccer games of the kids. And then I got to be here and business travel and all that. Like if I only had to execute that training plan, the way it comes into training peaks every day, wonderful life would be so simple it's <laughs> <laughs> so funny what um i'm gonna jump into iron like the oh cowboy. yeah let's, yeah, we, let's wrap it up we with got iron to, cowboy. we got to spend a few days with uh james lawrence the mm -hmm. iron cowboy and i'm sure you're following what he's doing <laughs> are you following what he's doing no i that's the funny thing is i don't follow anybody <laughs> okay <laughs> I don't this know. Is great. I have an assistant coach who has, <laughs> has to remind me all the time. He's like, do you know so-and-so and so-and-so? -and -so? I was like, 
Oh, oh, I had no idea. <laughs> I actually think that's a really we that's always good, we always yeah. tell people like throw away your television. Like don't want you, you don't, to you don't need, need to know what's going no, on in the yeah, world. Yeah. No. But um, but yeah, so he uh, so he's doing a hundred uh, yeah, full distance triathlons in a hundred yeah, days. Yeah, yeah. He's on day seventy two. Yeah. <laughs> we were there to experience two days with him, and um, yeah, his mind is strong. So talk about mindset and purpose and and driven, but also like. There's a lot of suffering going on. There's a lot of physical, physical pain right now, and he's he's working through that. But he's got an a, amazing community um, surrounding him there in Utah. Um, I just we always ask ourselves, we're like, well, when is enough? Like, when is when is enough enough? And and he's going to do it. I, I I'm pretty confident he's got like 28 days, 27 days left. It's a he's a beast. Um, but what what can you say to that as far as um, his mindset strong? But what about the toll on the body um, and just yeah. delivering like a fourteen to sixteen hour day on the body day in and day out? Yeah, and he's walking the marathons. Yeah, huh. you know I don't know him. I don't know him as a personality, as a as a spirit, for lack of a better term. Um, his values, all that stuff. I don't know him. Um, from afar to have an opinion is hard, but of mm-hmm. course I have an opinion. <laughs> <laughs> I just there's the old right, there we go. There's, it, it, there's it, the old Chris. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> you know I would if this if he were one of my athletes, and again I don't know him, and yeah. he might be fully healthy and able to do this. But there's a variety of things like adrenally, I'd be super worried what he looks like in a couple of years. Just putting your body and uh, the other things he's done already. You know, it's not like. This is um, so I'd be worried about that, who he will be when he's older and with his grandchildren and wanting to do certain things. And, you know, we've all, we all pay a price. We all pay a price. Um, so that's the first part I would worry about. And secondly, you know, I don't know why. Mm-hmm. I just don't know why. Right. Mm-hmm. Like he is such an amazing athlete already. Why? Mm-hmm. You know, and so you said a key word there, suffering. And when you're physically suffering, that's a mirror into your soul. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, I've suffered, but now to go into those dark places and just continue to, to rummage, ruminate, rummage is probably better and not ruminate um, in that space. Uh, there's some dark stuff going on. And I wouldn't yeah. want to. I wouldn't want to um, ask my my body and my soul and my my spirit to to be there that much. Yeah, um, and you know what we focus on expands. Like our focus is the invitation. I like that word rummage. You know, like yeah. rummaging. And I think when I first started triathlon, you know, it was um, I was one hundred percent running from myself, yeah. you know, but also running to figure out who the heck I was, but a lot of anger, a lot of didn't mind throwing punches on the swim, those kinds of things. Um, mine and, only with the mind. <laughs> no, with my actual. <laughs> oh, I thought you said mind punches. No, throwing punches. I was like, I was like, <laughs> no, I didn't why, mind. Why only throwing with the mind? That no. <laughs> oh my God. I've thrown plenty of punches with the mind <laughs> yeah, before. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but you know what it, ultimately the freedom was found and we've touched upon it in this podcast is, was releasing this, the burden of it's all up to me. 
you know, and I don't know what's going on inside of his head. I do know that James has a very strong faith. And so perhaps he's very deeply connected at this point, 70, whatever miles. I mean, it's hard to have like a deep, coherent conversation with him, as you can imagine. But, you know, I don't believe that the body is the limitless part of us. Um, this body is is a temple. And, um, you know, if you read anything like, you know, old Indian scripture, it's, you know, and I'm in violation of it as, you know, an endurance athlete, I think, is just, um, you know, moderation in the body. Yes, exercise. Um, but I also feel like I'm on purpose in this life. And so it's that outweighing of, mm. you know, joy. And, um, you know, if I think I'm, you know, if maybe somebody else is saying I'm exercising too much. But, um, but yeah, that release of, I think that's such an important piece that we talked about is this release of this ethic that we have, which I think is so misled that everything has to be so hard and that we can use our free will to really focus in on our response to what's happening in life. And with that, what opens is this path, letting it unfold. We're giving it space. We're not always trying to get out ahead of it. And that leads to this more easy path, yeah. this lightness. Lighter path, yeah. Yeah, lighter yeah, path. And, and, and I like the word manipulation, right? We, we, we seem to think that we can – free will is a whole different – topic right like you do the sam harris component of that and you you go deep down a rabbit hole mm -hmm. but i do believe there's some truth to what he's talking about and anybody can look up sam harris free will <laughs> there's a lot <laughs> out there with that um but from that standpoint is manipulation to me is about thinking how much we control that path right as we said earlier mm. and the except the lighter path the acceptance um, and just being confident in you being the unique spirit, positive spirit that you are, um, source in this world is, and, and a temporary one too, like, like from a really deeper spiritual um, aspect for Iron Cowboy too, is like, if you go by this theory that we're only temporary in this body and our spirit lives forever, <laughs> right? That's not a, that spirit's going through a lot of work <laughs> in this temporary space. Right? <laughs> if there's any truth to that, and I'm not saying I'm a I'm a full subscriber to that um, that approach that we're temporarily just inhabiting this body and that our soul and spirit slash lives forever and we're connected to source and eternally. Um, if there is any truth to that, man, he's, he's sure living the life of seven bodies in, in his one, right? Um, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So and that's, the, again, it's the beauty of this whole thing is that there is no, there's no answer. There's not supposed to be an answer. Um, this path, our life is all about just it unfolding and us sort of doing the things in the moment that our best response, like you said, versus a reaction and rolling with it, like keeping it simple and rolling with it, you know? Yeah. I love that. I think that's a great place to wrap it up. Well, you look like you were going to yeah, say the something. Your, what about for you, your adventure, you talked about Tahoe. So what's yeah. going on with the uh, Lake Tahoe crossing? So I'm going to swim uh, the length of Tahoe, 22 miles. I have a lot of events that I do um, just because I'm always doing stuff, coast rides and stuff. And, and then I think I'm going to go to, um, Argentina to do that, um, Patagon man. In, oh uh, yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yep. So, nice. uh, I like sort of the, the 
the cold weather aspect of it. Not, not, not really, but that's sort of my theme this year is cold water, cold. Yeah. The um, contrast, also, you're going to use yeah, it to I'm your not advantage. A fan of it. Yeah, I'm definitely not a fan of cold. So I've been swimming in the bay a little bit and swimming long distances, no wetsuit. Um, so it's it's not comfortable. It definitely is making me very <laughs> uncomfortable, but it's getting better. And yeah, so I hope uh, that all goes well. Awesome. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Chris. This is a great conversation. I know our community is going to absolutely eat it up and listen to it again and again. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Of course.